Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And guys, let's start off with, I mean, there's so much news, but let, let's go straight to the national championship winning Texas Longhorns volleyball team, back-to-back champions. Bobby, we, we've talked volleyball all last week, and it came to fruition yesterday afternoon. I mean, what an amazing performance. They dominated Nebraska. I mean, Blake, you don't win. Uh, my daughter played high school volleyball at a competitive level. You don't win uh, school by scores of twenty-two to fourteen or twenty-five to fourteen and twenty-five to eleven. That's just not that's not normal. This uh, Texas team absolutely obliterated the field uh, in the uh, final four, uh, literally taking the Tampa by storm. Uh, Madison Skinner, uh, the young lady out of the Katy area. Uh, daughter of Brian Skinner, the former uh, NBA product. Uh, she was named the tournament's most outstanding player, but she was far from the only outstanding player for the Longhorns. Uh, Asia O'Neill, a sixth-year senior, uh, the daughter of Jermaine O'Neill, uh, the former NBA player as well. She's had a couple of open-heart surgeries, guys, and yet she's out there. Uh, Blake, you mentioned this and sent a text to the group. She was the number one pick recently of the new Women's Pro Volleyball Association. Uh, just a, yesterday or day before. So congratulations to her. Then you had uh, the setter, Ella Swindell, who is a true freshman, the first true freshman to lead a team to the national championship since I believe 2016. A young lady at Stanford did that. And then you have uh, folks like Molly Phillips and Jenna Winnis and uh, Haley Bergmark. Uh, they all played a role. Uh, the the libero, who just was fantastic, uh, Emma um, uh Oh, geez. Uh, I'm forgetting her. Emma Halter, a uh, young lady out of uh, the uh, Indianapolis area. She's only a true sophomore, her first year being the libero for the Longhorns. So the Longhorns win it with two of the three. Really, there, there are four key spots in, in volleyball. There's the setter. There's the libero, which is the person that wears the other colored jersey. And then you're, there's an outside hitter and a middle. Well, Texas had the same outside hitter in middle from last year. Yes, they lost Logan Eggleston, but uh, obviously, uh, obviously, uh, Asia O'Neill and Madison Skinner were terrific. But having a new setter and a new libero, that rarely ends up being in a national championship. Uh, but the Longhorns won their fourth one, uh, the second one, or excuse me, the third one, by the way, uh, for Jarrett Elliott. Uh, the head coach of the Longhorns, just a, a tremendous, tremendous job. Uh, happy for him and his wife. Uh, his wife, Andrea, was on the show on Wednesday, and uh, she was a bundle of joy. She was the one, by the way, if you saw the crowd shot on a Sunday, if you were watching volleyball instead of NFL, she was one in the crowd shot next to Sergio Garcia. They kept showing her next oh, to yeah. Sergio Garcia. So anyways, uh, that's a fun stuff. Uh, congrats to the lady. And like I wrote on the uh, – like I wrote on the uh, community thread on uh, on Texas football, uh, you know, light the tower. That's that's what it's all about. When you see that tower go go orange and glow orange on a on a nighttime, that's a big thing. And so, very very excited for those ladies. No doubt about it, guys. Well, that wasn't the only big news this weekend. A lot going on recruiting as well. Uh, we had some visitors on campus, of course, and then the commitment of Matthew Golden, the transfer from Houston. And what's the latest in recruiting? CJ, we're going to turn it over to you for a second. Yeah, off the bat, I got a text late last night from Andrew McCuba, Clemson transfer safety, uh, in the portal, was on campus this weekend. 
He told me that he will be making a decision Thursday, sometime Thursday following, uh, you know, the National Signing Day hoopla that comes on Wednesday with all the high school prospects. His decision will come on Thursday. Right now, following his official visit, or I guess his visit to Texas this weekend, I like where Texas sits. I don't think there will be time uh, for another visit elsewhere. And with that said, I mean, to say that a, a, a decision is coming just a couple days after he spends time with you know, the, the Texas staff on campus, I think Texas is, you know, in a, in a great spot there. And Bobby, I, I, you know, Rod and I broke down that Matthew Golden commit uh, to Texas. I want to go back to it for a second. Tell everybody, for those that aren't aware that maybe didn't catch the show this past week, what he brings to the table for the Longhorns. Yeah, Matthew Golden is a, uh, is a wide receiver slash return guy uh, for the long, uh, for Houston. Uh, a absolute terror uh, in the open field on kick returns. Averaged more than 35 yards a kick return. Returned two for touchdowns this year. Uh, also uh, had a big one against Texas as well. I mean, he he's a high-end guy that can do it against anybody. Uh, and that's really what Steve Sarkeesian and this team is looking about looking for guys that can score touchdowns against anybody. Uh, as a receiver, he did not have a great year. Uh, he had a really good freshman year, but uh, Houston had a different quarterback this year. They were not as impressive with Clay, as, as they were a year ago with Clayton Toon when Donovan Smith took over. It seemed like it took a while for the Cougars' offense to really get on track, and maybe it never really did. Uh, he did have uh, 38 catches for 404 yards and, and six TDs on the season. Uh, but look, this is a guy that with Texas graduating, uh, Jordan Whittington, with Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, extraordinarily likely to go into the NFL. Um, I feel like we, we're sitting here talking about a guy that can step right in and provide some uh, more experience. I mean, right now, Jonte Cook is going to be the team's leading receiver coming back next year. Um, Gunnar Helm will be second, most likely. Let's put this into, and I'm not talking about running backs, obviously, but let's put that into perspective, adding someone like Golden that has that explosive nature to him, as well as two years of starting experience. Uh, I think that's kind of what the doctor ordered. <laughs> no, no doubt about it, guys. Well, National Signing Day, just two days away. Of course, we'll have complete coverage right here on On Texas Football all day long. But, I mean, just the talent that was on campus this weekend, nothing short of amazing. Am I right? No, it was, it was a gr great showing from, you know, the Texas staff getting these guys on campus. Uh, Blake, real quick, I wanted to touch on the 2024 prospects that were on, on campus. Three of them that were really, really important to what the 2024 class could end up being. Uh, the first, we'll start with the McKinney defensive back. Committed to Florida current, currently, uh, Xavier Filsiami. Um, Man, if you want to talk about a guy that looks good in street clothes and follows it up with film, that's the guy. And Texas has really been chipping away at this recruitment. The official visit went great. Uh, I got a text, you know, late into the weekend. It, it sounds like things are just about wrapped up there. That decision will come Wednesday on National Signing Day. And for the time being, I think all the momentum in this one is heading in the direction of Texas. It certainly helps that Florida is kind of in a, a weird spot, you know, in terms of where their program is currently under Billy Napier. They uh, fired Corey Raymond, which was a big loss in their, you know, kind of, I guess, package deal from the Florida side of things, especially whenever you consider 
uh, what happened with Wardell Mack and that recruitment. The loss of Raymond is big all the way around in that defensive back room. Right now, Texas is trending very heavily right there. Moving on south to the Jasper linebacker, Ty Anthony Smith. The word all week was don't let him get to campus. Well, he got to campus, and we found that out uh, pretty late Friday night. He made it to campus for his official visit. Texas, again, only looking to take one linebacker in this class. It's an easy sell. You can see what is happening right now with Anthony Hill. You see what has been the product of Jalen Ford on this roster the last two years. Ty Anthony Smith, a flip from Texas A&M, looking very likely. Uh, and then, obviously, Alex Foster, the Mississippi uh, defensive lineman, uh, currently committed to Baylor. He's, he told me that he will be pushing back his signing day to February. That will not – he will no longer be signing on Wednesday. He's going to be pushing that back. That obviously helps Texas reevaluate where they want to go on the defensive line, whether it be with Foster, who's still – albeit pretty raw, or, you know, circling back around to Dominic McKinley or De'Anlin Evans. There's a lot to – Think about right now inside the walls of Moncrief at the defensive line position. Uh, and, you know, given Bo Davis's history of developing guys, it, it's going to be a, a fun evaluation and, and, and really figuring out which path they want to head from here. Yeah, guys, no, no doubt about it. The next couple of days are going to be super interesting for Texas. I, I, I have one question to CJ real quick before we move on through that. CJ, we talked about whether or not Texas would go five for five this weekend. They're already one for five with Matthew Golden, uh, right in the in the in the boat. Uh, Foster seems to be the only one that's deliberating slash pushing his decision off to February. Is it possible that Texas goes four or five on the weekend? I, I think it's very possible. I think you know I kind of want to put it at likely. You know when you consider just how quickly the the three remaining prospects have kind of turn their attention to Texas, I'll, you know, getting to campus the last week before a signing day. And I know Makuba is a little bit differently because he's, you know, he, he has a broader window uh, than the high school guys, but getting that last visit is huge. And it, and it goes to, you know, a long way to say that momentum in recruiting, you can tell right away when, when, when something catches the eyes of a, of a, of a, of a recruit, they know, uh, you know, they, they get attracted to things like they're shining out of a, out of a dull background. So, uh, that that's exactly what I like to see from this Texas staff making that late push. And we, we see it all along with the Texas staff. Momentum is a big thing in their recruiting style, getting a lot of momentum right before signing day. It's looking very likely. And I think four is the, is the floor here. Got it. Good news for Texas fans for sure. All right, Bobby, before we move on, you know, there is plenty to talk about and also plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. But, Bobby, let everybody out there know about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely, CJ. Or absolutely, Blake. I appreciate it. Um, I will say this uh, before we move on. I'm excited about where Texas sits. Uh, we're 20, or 48 hours away from signing day, so all of this is culminating right now. Uh, Longhorn Wealth Management, uh, our friend John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth team, uh, they say they want to congratulate the UT women's volleyball team on their dominating victory and securing the national championship yesterday. Repeating as national champions is truly an amazing accomplishment. Likewise, Longhorn Wealth is repeating its offer to extend to each and every Longhorn alum, employee, or fan a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and maximize your tax-free and tax-efficient financial future. So please give John Donovan and his Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit them at longhornwealth.net. That's 
707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Thanks, John, for your ongoing sponsorship of Coffee and Football. All right, guys. Well, like I said, plenty to talk about. So the next the next thing that went on this past weekend, and well, the majority of the week were the state title games. Lots of talent on display. Lots of blowouts and a couple of good matchups thrown in there, as you can see at the ticker uh, down below. Of course, we'll have Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, on here shortly. So he'll be talking about that. But, man, it was an exciting week for high school football. There's no doubt about it. Right, Blake, I know you were tuned in to most of these games. Uh, was there anyone in particular that kind of caught you, uh, that you just kind of got glued to the TV on? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, South Oak Cliff, uh, that, the game with Port Natchez Grove, since you taught me that, Bobby. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dropping the West Texas pronunciation of it. But that, that was hands down uh, the best game, in my opinion. Maybe the Gilmer game as well. I mean, DeSoto, that was over in the first quarter. Duncanville North Shore was not bad. I mean, it, it, you know, but Duncanville just had so much talent, not to say North Shore doesn't. Um, but, you know, I mean, honestly, it, it seemed like there was only a couple of close games all week and the rest were pretty much well decided by halftime, you know. But the thing that got me was just from the 2A level up, how many D1 prospects there were. And, I mean, even at, even at 2A, you had three or four playing in a single game, which almost never happens at that level, you know. So it, it was a good a good week for talent, not not a great week for great games. <laughs> Well, you talked about two A Terry Bussey uh, out of uh, Timpson uh, led his team to the state championship. Uh, he's committed to A and M, but like many of these guys from East Texas and A and M right now, he sounds like he's peeling off a little bit and looking at LSU as well. Is that correct, CJ? I think so. And you know that was something that was dating back previously, prior to his commitment to A and M. LSU was making a late run there. I know Texas was involved. Oklahoma was kind of fidgeting around as well, a little bit from the outskirts for, for the Sooners. But but Bussy, again, when you kind of take a step back, I think a lot of these Texas A&M 2024 commits are really trying to reevaluate where they want to be come signing day or pushing it back. Bussy is going to be looking to push his signing back to February. LSU's in the mix, and it you know I don't think anybody has benefited more from what has happened at Texas A&M the last month than LSU. Longhorse hoping to, to capitalize on that too with Ty Anthony Smith, obviously. Potentially Dominic McKinley, the defensive lineman out of Lafayette or the defensive lineman out of Longview Pine Tree, Dale and Evans, too. So, I mean, look, local implosion is not bad for Longhorn football. No, not especially when you parlay that with, uh, you know, a college football run or a playoff run and a top four finish. You know, it, it's lining up very well for Texas right now on the trail. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Well, we're going to move on to the next one here. We, have, we, you know, we've talked about all this. We haven't even talked about the team yet. We're exactly two weeks away from the college football playoff, obviously taking uh, place on January first, and they started practicing over the weekend. Bobby, we'll start with you. What have you heard? What to let people know what's going on behind the scenes a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So they had a shells practice on Friday. It wasn't really a practice. It was a throw around. You know, it's getting back going again after being off for a couple of weeks or a week and a half uh, from the uh, Big 12 championship game. Saturday, they got back after it. They got back after it again yesterday. They'll practice through the 22nd, which is this coming Friday. Then they'll take a couple of days off and return on the 25th. The night of the 25th, they'll be coming back to Austin. Then they leave for New Orleans 
on the 27th. That's Sunday night. And obviously they'll be in New Orleans through January 2nd. Uh, CJ, one of the things I thought was interesting that you reported uh, last week, the Longhorns with the addition of uh, Malik Murphy now have eight players in the portal. But Steve Sarkeesian has relaxed his rules of, hey, once you enter the portal, you ha- you're off the team altogether. He's relaxed his rules a little bit because he knows that the portal is an interesting window right now. It opened, what, December 4th and closes January 2nd. So players have to enter in that time frame. He's relaxed his rules in that now he's letting some players stay with the team through this process. Who are those players? Because I know you reported there were at least three that were still on the team. Yeah, I got word that there were three players that have announced their intention to enter the portal that are remaining in practice, at least through Friday. Uh, Those are Casey Kane at the receiver spot, Sawyer Gorham Welch, and uh, Larry Turner Gooden. So the three of them are remaining in practice. Uh, They're, you know, still participating with the team and contributing uh, as Texas prepares for the college football run. I think it's interesting. I think it's a good adjustment by Sarkeesian, to be honest, Bobby. I think, you know, it's one of those weird situations that you're, you know, really trying to handle on the fly. You know, the the portal window opening so early and seeing these guys that you probably have already had the conversation with that, hey, we're not exactly sure how much run you'll be getting at your time uh, as a Longhorn. But, hey, you you don't have to miss out on a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I I, I I like that. Yeah, I think it's a great move by Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, look, it, it's a, he's proven himself to be adaptable. Yeah. Right. Uh, Bob Shipley talked about this. I mean, different cultures at different different cultures in college football are required at different times. When you have a guy, when you have now with the transfer portal where guys can go anytime they want to another school, you either have to create a culture where they where they don't want to, right? You can't be, I mean, the, the wrong word here is dog cussing. You can't be constantly on people and be mean to them and expect them to stay around, right? So Sark has created a culture where he's a player's coach, but he's a stern player's coach. He sets the parameters and tries, tries to live by them. At the same time, he has an understanding that, look, Texas is in a unique position right now. Most of these schools, like Texas is one of four schools of college football playoffs. Most of these schools are playing – they're playing bowl games that right. really, I mean, whether you finish eighth in the country or sixth, you know, what does it really matter? Right. And so those guys can go ahead and go in the portal. He's in a situation where look depth at safety with Larry Turner. Good and helps depth at receiver with Casey Kane helps, you know, those things are important. And I, I just like where Texas is going with that. And you have Seward Gorham Welch is another guy, CJ. He's a graduate. So he's, 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 he, he got his degree in three and a half years. He's done everything they've asked him for. He's moved back and forth between offense and defense. If that guy wants to hang around, he's not he's not a nuisance, you know? And so I, I feel like uh, there's some that just want to move on, and that's fine. That's not a negative. By the way, Xavion uh, uh, Bryce, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Xavion Bryce, the former cornerback uh, out of the Arlington area, as well as uh, B.J. Allen, the safety from Alito. They have now committed to North Texas. So two of the transfers have found homes uh, now outside the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, Bobby, real quick, uh, I wanted to chime in on the Malik Murphy sweepstakes and, you know, just where that might end up. I know Baylor was on the docket for a potential visit. That did not occur. Baylor did go out and find Daquan Finn, the quarterback of uh, Toledo, who actually was the MAC player of the year this year 
as you know their potential solution at quarterback. So it's looking unlikely that Baylor is going to be uh, the new destination for the 6'5 gunslinger uh, out of Junipero, California. So interesting, you know, something to monitor moving forward. And then one last point I wanted to make. Texas has eight players in the portal. Uh, it, it feels like on paper that's something that is worth noting moving forward into the semifinal. But when you look at it from kind of a micro uh, a microscope, you know, it, it there's only nine total career starts from these eight guys. And when you consider where these starts came in the season, you know, three of them from Casey Kane came last year. You know, four of them from Jalen Catalan came prior to the Oklahoma game. There really hasn't been a lot of contributions from these guys in the portal recently and I think that is something to keep in mind that Texas despite losing some guys from their 2023 roster will be going into this game at seemingly full strength in terms of their two deep hey uh, somebody just posted in the chat and I was unaware of this uh, so we need to uh, go back to this Larry Turner Gooden is going to San Jose State but he practiced with the team on Friday is what what uh, uh, CJ is reporting he may be doing one of those guys that's doing both uh, and uh, there we go. Yeah. And UNT probably got two starters and probably good ones. No doubt. I, I, thought so. BJ, I thought BJ Allen was coming on uh, during uh, spring ball. I thought he had finally mm-hmm. made that step to the next level. But, you know, frankly, uh, you know, I think Texas is just trying to find guys that run better yeah. uh, at safety. That that seems to be a real issue uh, for the Longhorns. That's why they're after Xavier Phils to me and some of the other guys that they're recruiting right now. Uh, you know, you can't blame B.J. Allen for transferring. You can't blame Texas for trying to upgrade the position. No doubt about it, guys. Well, while we're on the subject of the transfer portal, we have a super chat here from just the dude that I am going to read. And it's, and just the dude says, the former Notre Dame tight end going elsewhere. What exactly does that mean when it comes to J.T. Sanders? Well, it doesn't mean anything yet. I mean, because Texas, you got to remember, Texas could go back in on holding stays after – JT Sanders announces just a commitment from a transfer portal prospect is not finalized until he enrolls in class. There's no letter of intent for him. Okay. He enrolls in class and then he's done. Remember Isaiah Nayor had committed to Tennessee, but never enrolled at Tennessee. And instead Texas got him before he uh, enrolled there. So those things happen. And I think that, if JT Sanders elects to go pro, which I was told by someone that is expected to represent him in the pro draft, that it's 75-25 right now that he is leaving. Okay. He does love it at Texas. Uh, all of those things are, are, are smart and great, but still 75-25. If he goes, then I expect Texas to re-engage with Holden Stays. And that's what they've told Holden Stays. That, wait, we can't. We don't have room for you right now, but we want to talk to you if we lose our starting tight end because then there's an immediate need for someone to join Gunnar Helm and be one of the be one of those guys in the two tight end look that Texas really uses a lot of. And then we're going to stay on some portal questions just for a minute, fellas. Another one from Just a Dude. He said, "Do we talk about not getting Juice Wells? Did we just lose to Ole Miss or did we not pursue CJ?" Yeah, Juice Wells. I mean. First, I kind of want to tip the cap to what Ole Miss is doing in the portal and just how aggressive they've been in stockpiling some talent and getting guys into their into their program. Uh, Juice Wells, you know, the minute that he was entering the portal and his name kind of popped up, I think Texas was linked, obviously, 
first by the need at receiver moving forward into this portal season and also just by the you know the overall uh, aggressiveness of Texas in previous portal classes as well you know it, it I, I really think the addition of Matthew Golden into the portal kind of redirected where Texas wanted to go. And Bobby, I think you might be able to touch on this as well. That's at least what I was told that the, if Matthew Golden were to enter the portal, you know, that would be the guy Texas would want to get into the boat the quickest. I'm not sure if Juice Wells was, you know, a hundred percent on that, that want list there. And I know that easy, you know, transition to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and what they've been doing in the portal kind of made things a little bit murky there. Yeah, it, it did. But I, here's the the bottom line. Texas did not push for Juice Wells. He wanted to come in on a visit last week. Texas said no. He wanted to come on a visit this week. Texas said no. Uh, Texas obviously had, to your point, they had a higher priority in Matthew Golden. Yep. And doesn't mean Juice Wells isn't going to be an NFL player, by the way. It just gives you a sense of exactly what kind of prospect Texas and, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian are trying to bring in. He's not looking for guys... I try to say this. He's not looking for guys to replace DeAndre Moore or Ryan Niblett or Jonte Cook. He's looking for guys to really be additive. Matthew Golden is a touchdown scorer. He wants touchdown scorers on his roster no matter what position they play. Yep. I mean, and so that that is the key fundamental difference that people have to understand. Juice Wells is a very talented receiver, former high, a former college teammate, by the way, at James Madison of uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey, who visits with us here on uh, often on coffee and football. The the piece of it, though, CJ and Blake, that I think is, is, is just, you know, more interesting than anything is exactly how they're going to be doing this. Like, like who are they waiting on at wide receiver now? Because you know they want to take two if possible. Chris Jackson has told recruits that, right? Who are they waiting on? Is it, uh, it's got to be someone electric or else they wouldn't be waiting or else they're just going to stay with what they got. Right. Um, and so I, I feel like that's, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and recruiting at, at wide receiver right now. And it's possible, possible. It happens immediately after bowl games because the first portal window closes January 2nd. So if you have a January one, you know, January one, uh, bowl game, you have to put your notice in by January 2nd. Now that means two more days. There's 48 hour window before the school has to do it. So really fundamentally it's open till January 4th, I guess you have to put your notice in and then you get 48 hours to actually file. Uh, the school does, but that January 2nd to 4th timeframe is when I'm going to look for another bevy of maybe higher profile guys entering the portal after the uh, their bowl games. Uh, we're going to take this question here uh, from Bob. And Bob says, good morning from Dunwoody, Georgia. How concerned are you that Golden's numbers were pedestrian against all Big 12 competition except Texas? Um, you know, I, I think that that's a good question. It wasn't that case. So, they, I, I, Bob, this is a good question because there's two pieces. One, they, they had a new offense this year. Uh, and I say that because Donovan Smith was the new signal caller. Same style of offense. Golden was asked to move positions to make way for Sammy Brown, the transfer from West Virginia. And so he started, instead of being a focal point, along with Tank Dell a year ago, I mean, T Tank Dell leaving, leaving is going to 
create a void for just about anybody in an offense, right? You take, I mean, he created a lot of opportunities opposite you. Um, Sammy Brown is good and take, took on that primary receiver role for Hugh of H, uh, but I'm not real concerned about uh, Matthew Golden's lack of production. I mean, 38 catches is not nothing. Uh, he was also, I mean, look, U of H's offense altogether was not as good as a year ago where they had Clayton too. Uh, now they went with Donovan Smith and they started off abysmal on offense and, and really didn't click at all until midseason. And then they fell apart late too. So it wasn't, it wasn't just on Matthew Golden. So I'm not real concerned about that. Again, guy, guys that score touchdowns, two kickoff returns out of nine kickoff return attempts. That's, I mean, 22%. Yeah, no, that, I mean, what is that? 22, 23% on kickoff returns? It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, here is an interesting point brought up by Carol Haywood, guys. He says, is it just me or is there a lack of JUCO recruiting? You might be able to find some diamonds in those ranks. And you got to think the portal has hurt JUCO recruit, recruiting to an extent. But and because you just don't see it as much anymore. I'll tell you what's hurt JUCO recruiting even more. SATs and ACTs no longer mattering. So before you had to have a certain score on the SAT or ACT. Now they're not even considered. You just have, a, have to have a certain GPA. So the pipeline flow into junior college has dropped, right? So a lot of guys that couldn't make it into, into FBS schools were going the JUCO route. Now all they have to do is have a, uh, a better GPA going in, and all of a sudden they're coming out. I, I will say this. Texas offered a junior college guy or looked at a junior college guy last year. Uh, Bo Davis brought him in. He's a defensive lineman. That same defensive lineman, decide, Texas did not offer. He decided to stay in uh, junior college football last year. You know, he's got offers from Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn this year now. I mean, so there are guys. There are guys that you can find. But to your point, they are few and far between these these days for a multitude of factors. The portal is one of them. The, the, the pipeline to junior college is less simply because of academics. Uh, we got a couple more questions here about Golden. I want to get to this one from Heoli Frioli93. He said, what are the stories about his culture fit? I haven't heard that he'd be a distraction or a bad seat in the locker room. Can neither one of you speak to that? Yeah, Bobby, I'll chime in real quick and then I'll you know pass it over to you. Uh, dating back to his recruitment, there was nothing that I had come across that made me believe you know this was going to be an issue at any point. And it certainly helps that he's joining the fold with former Klein King teammate Jaden Blue. And I think that anytime that you can jump into a new program, a new system uh, with someone to rely on and lean on that has been there before and kind of show you the ropes, especially a guy that's really starting to come on with his own piece of this offense and Jaden Blue, I think that seamlessly helps, you know, make that transition a lot easier. And, you know, I, I can't, you know, attest for, you know, what previous transfers have, have done at Texas, but I do think what Texas is building right now, the culture is a little bit different than what it was previously when guys that came in kind of, you know, caused a scene or a stir previously. I would say this, uh, Matthew Gold played his senior year at Klein Kane, whereas Jaden Blue, because of some off-field issues that he had, did not play his senior year at Klein Kane. So coming out, it looked like that was Golden would have been more the culture fit than Blue. Now, Blue, I think, has since kind of grown up, so to speak. Uh, 
And so we, I'm not worried about it. I've heard nothing that about Matthew Golden uh, being anything other than a good teammate. I will add this. Think about his recruitment just now. Okay. It's pretty clear. He went in the portal and said, I want to go to Texas. Yeah. He 100%. didn't go fish around. He didn't go, oh, I need to go look at OU. I'm going to go look at LSU. I'm going to go look at Notre Dame or Michigan. Or he just, He went in the portal, went to Texas, closed it down. He's not – that's not the actions of what I would call a prima donna, right? So does that you, – you agree with that, CJ? I mean – and I'm not saying kids that do go look at all their options are necessarily prima donnas. It's just that's not a – that's not the look of a guy that's a culture fit issue. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay. All right, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about home field apparel. Yeah, absolutely. Home field. You've heard us talk about home field since the start of the football season. Now we're into uh, the Sugar Bowl uh, Christmas time. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of the, my aunt, my favorites are the 1883 vintage logo, home of the Longhorns ringer tee and the baseball script tee. Uh, be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Texas and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code ONTEXAS23. ONTEXAS23 gets you 15% off your first order. We know you're all wearing UT gear. So if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out homefieldapparel.com. Their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each and every concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, Use code ONTEXAS23 for 15% off your first order. Christmas is right around the corner, fellas. Uh, I know that uh, it's sneaking up on many of us, including myself, because uh, I've been covering recruiting, but uh, time to get out there and start shopping for your loved ones. That's homefieldapparel.com. Use code ONTEXAS23. All right. We want to thank them for being a sponsor of today's show. And uh, guys, we're going to talk a little bit more portal for a minute as Pooh has a question and he says, are we looking at current tight ends in the portal? Um, the, Texas has been looking at a couple, one of which is Holden Stays, uh, the young man uh, out of Atlanta, Westminster by way of Notre Dame. Uh, but he is committed, I think, now to Tennessee. Still, uh, Texas does not have a spot currently at tight end until or unless JT Sanders says, OK, I'm definitely going pro. I don't expect to hear from that that decision until after after Texas is out of the college football playoffs, whether they win it all or losing the semifinals or what have you. We won't hear that. And so then Texas, I think, will engage. There's also a tight end out of Connecticut, I think, that uh, is either committed to NC State or leaning heavily there. Uh, that's a possibility. I think his name's Jordan Jolly. Uh, but again, Texas does not have a spot right now until and unless JT Sanders uh, goes pro. If and when that happens, like I said, it was a 75, 25% chance. If and when that happens, you can expect Texas to go hard after a tight end. All right. And hey, Jeremy, the answer to your question is game time. That is the name of that app to find tickets. And then, guys, we, we've had a lot of people join. We're about at the halfway mark now in the show. So I kind I want to reset here with this question and kind of go back over a couple of things. Captain Americano says, how soon before we get some commitment announcements from our weekend visitors? I know Phil Samee's decision is expected on Wednesday, but anything high school or portal 
before then. And I want to piggyback off that. And uh, CJ, we'll start with you and kind of let you run down the recruiting news that we opened up with at the beginning of the show. Yeah, Phil Simi decided to announce on uh, last night that he will be signing and making his decision on Wednesday during National Signing Day. Uh, I got a text late last night from Andrew Makuba, the Clemson DB who uh, visited Texas this weekend as well, that a decision will be coming Thursday. So that's a Thursday decision following National Signing Day for Texas to potentially make another splash in the portal and following this week. And I feel good about not only both of those recruitments, but Ty Anthony Smith as well, uh, the linebacker out of Jasper. Texas is looking to flip from Texas A&M. That's looking very likely as well, uh, considering just how quickly he was able to get to campus uh, for his official visit. Uh, he is looking to be making a decision as well on Wednesday. So could be some great news coming Texas's direction as you know as early as Wednesday afternoon, I would say. And then obviously we talked about Alex Foster as well. That's looking like a decision that will come in February. He will be pushing his decision and his signing towards the, the last signing day. Uh, that will not be coming on Wednesday uh, like the, the rest. All right. Uh, a couple other things there. Uh, you mentioned Makuba Golden was also the one and he's already committed. Trey Moore, uh, the UTSA uh, edge prospect, visited Alabama over the weekend. I've reached out to his folks I have not heard back any any update at this time on Trey Moore and his recruitment, but that's another one that Texas is looking at. Uh, right now, Texas at 21 commitments for the class of 2024. Another thing that we need to mention at 4.30 today, Texas could be getting a commitment for the class of 2025. Uh, Emory Winston, uh, the all-state tight end from Georgia, 6'3 and a half, 235 pounds. Uh, First team All-State 5A in Georgia as a junior. That speaks volumes. Uh, 900 yards plus receiving. He's really similar, in my opinion, to a young JT Sanders. Great hands, clean route runner, uh, kind of catches and gets a lot of yak after the yards. Uh, those kind of guys, uh, I believe, uh, are real possibilities uh, for uh, the Longhorns. He's going to announce today at 430. Right now, I believe it's going to be Texas or Ohio State, and I believe Texas is more than in the pole position here. I, I would be surprised if it's not the Longhorns later today. Stranger things have happened, uh, but we'll be back on talking about that as well. So that's it from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, also later uh, this uh, later today, uh, around 9 o'clock this morning, Greg Tepper, uh, the uh, uh, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You saw him if you watched any of the high school state championships over the weekend. He was one of the, one of the guys in, the, in doing the uh, halftime show talking about all the things and going on. He's going to join us here at 9 o'clock this morning, talk a little high school state championships uh, as well. All right, guys, we got plenty of time uh, for your questions, so please get them in. We would definitely appreciate that. And, guys, we got some more portal questions here. And so Todd Lacey says, are all of the portal candidates early enrollees? That's my understanding. Now, CJ, have you got any more detail on that? I know more is. And I know Golden is. I do not know about Makuba. I do not either. Um, I, I know that there's been, you know, talk about just how many classes and courses and credits will transfer over to Texas. If that is resolved, I can't imagine that he will not, you know, get to campus as soon as possible. Obviously, being from the Austin area, it helps makes things a lot easier and a, a simpler transition, if you will, uh, from moving from Clemson to Austin. Uh, I'll check back in with him today just, you know, to see if that is on the table. Should he pick Texas? Uh, but but right now, that I, I would believe so. I know more is. 
and I know Golden is. Moore, Moore has uh, several uh, uh, transferable hours because he's from UTSA, but he needs to get going to make sure he's eligible for next football season. He is eligible to participate in spring ball, but he's going to have to take some like, uh, what do you call it? Some uh, not night classes, but online classes to make sure that happens. I'm sure that Makuba may be similar uh, okay. because he's he's a longer a guy that's been in school a little bit longer. Golden is only a true sophomore right now. So really, he only has like 45 hours. That's not where Texas can get run into trouble with these transfers. It's when they get a little longer in the tooth uh, that they have issues with uh, moving transfers quickly. And while we're on the subject of Makuba, Stark Shooter wants to know how much eligibility does he have left? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Two years, I want to say, you know, obviously three years at Clemson is where he came from, you know, jumping in as a freshman All-American his first year under, you know, when when Clemson was still uh, running their defense under Brent Venables. That's really where you saw the most uh, production on the field for, for, for Makuba. Two years following, he's really kind of, you know, settled into being a very solid defensive back. And I think what really stands out about Makuba is his, you know, athleticism and just how springy he is. Uh, two years is what I, I, I see. Um, again, I'll clear everything up with him in terms of, you know, classes uh, uh, and eligibility remaining as well. But two years is where I sit with Makuba. Well, don't forget, all these guys have that COVID year. Yeah. That's just thrown everything, made everything wacky in college football. I mean, gosh, the Nebraska coach was talking about it with Asia O'Neill. Uh, the Nebraska volleyball coach was talking about it with Asia O'Neill. I mean, she spent six years at Texas in part because of the COVID year uh, and her off-court off, uh, off surgeries right and so um they i don't think that he's coming for two years would be my guess he's trying to look to be one and gone uh like a lot of guys are like no different than adonai mitchell or ryan sanborn those kind of guys uh but we'll see uh, he's he's got texas has got him pinned in right now at, at the nickel spot because jade baron is transferring um but strangely cj you were talking about this jade baron is one of the reasons why Makuba is looking so strongly at Texas right now. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Jade and, and Andrew, you know, go well back into their high school realms. Uh, you know, the two of them are from Austin. They, uh, you know, trained together. They had the same trainer in Bernard Blake. And obviously on the official visit, not only was the Texas high school uh, or director of high school relations, Jamal Finner, 
Andrew's a former high school coach at Austin LBJ influential, but also was John A. Barron who hosted him around, uh, showed him the, uh, you know, just kind of the run of the course at Texas and inside the walls of Moncrief. Uh, he was very important on, on his trip this weekend. I got portal seems to be the name of the game today. We got a lot of more questions on that. We'll get to at least a few of those. Nathan wants to know, is Texas still looking at a punter in the portal? Also, is the high school punter they have committed an early enrollee? You know, I don't think the high school punter is an early enrollee. I, he wasn't on my list, at least, guys. Um, so I do think that they're going to look at a portal punter as well, potentially. Uh, they're not. Steve Sarkeesian is not. And Jeff Banks aren't ones to leave things to, to risk. Uh, I'll, I'll be blunt. I mean, they did that with Ryan Sanborn last year. Uh, they even brought in, if you remember, Daniel Trejo. They brought in from what was it? Texas. I can't even remember the name of the school he came from. Texas Wesleyan. Texas Wesleyan. He was a a, a not even a Division two or Division three punter, and they brought him in at the last minute um, just to make sure they had somebody to back up uh, Isaac Pearson, and, and Isaac Pearson didn't make it. And so now, I, I just I think they're going to find somebody, whether that's a walk on like Trejo was, or a, a scholarship guy is a potential, uh, but. I don't know that we know who that is quite yet, and they may wait and see what Michael Kern can do. Uh, they they didn't bring Trejo in, guys, until the fall, right? He yeah, didn't that was the 23rd football. hour right there. He came in very late and, you know, it seemingly almost out of nowhere. He just right before football practice, he showed up with a locker and pads ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. They're not going to – there's plenty of guys out there like that there's not plenty of guys out there like Ryan Sanborn that are going to average 45 yards a kick. Right. right? And so if, if it's somebody like that, we'll hear about that name sooner is my opinion. If it's someone where they're just going to see what happens with Michael Kern first, we'll hear about that name later. I got this next question here uh, is from Colby and Colby asks, not sure on this, but is it possible Texas isn't heavily pursuing a and M transfers? due to the distraction it might cause. Bobby? There's an element of that. I mean, I think that also there's fit. I mean, they don't really want Walter Nolan. I know everybody else does. But <laughs> I, I don't think Texas, I don't think that he fits what Texas and what Bo Davis want there. Um, Fidel Diggs, you know, maybe a guy. Tyreek Chappell. They've got good guys that are in the portal. Uh, Levis, and they, they've got really good players that are in the portal. Um but I don't think it's about the distraction in as much as they just don't think some of those guys are fits with exactly what they want and need. And I do feel like there's a level of distraction right now that Steve Sarkeesian wants to eliminate. I mean, there's a reason they didn't bring in Juice Wells. They've only brought in three portal guys that they're really after, right? They don't, they want to minimize distractions period for this team. And it's not about A&M, an A&M player per se, as it is just, distractions period right and so i feel like he's steve sarkeesian i think recruiting is huge it's the lifeblood of every program but look they're playing in the college football playoff they they win two games that's immortality yeah <laughs> and that's what he's chasing not you know who are we going to you know worried about some of those other things 
Uh, then we have one from Ted Apare. He says, since Nelson is going into the portal, could you see Malik Murphy heading to a place like UFC, USC, excuse me? And if not, does this mean USC is losing more guys like a Deuce Robinson or Branch? Boy, I, so I don't think, um, so my understanding is Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback, has been out at uh, visiting USC. And that's one of the reasons why Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback from Los Alamitos, that, uh, that Lincoln Raleigh signed last year is now in the portal. Uh, so there's that. If Deuce Robinson goes in the portal, Texas is all in. Yeah. And they should be because he's a freak. I mean, I, I mean, there's there are guys, and, and he's a baseball player too. Don't forget that. Uh, as far as Zachariah Branch, I don't know that either of those guys have gone in the portal or intend to at this point. But, man, uh, tremendous, tremendous players. Uh, we'll see what the the uh what the uh movement of Malachi Nelson really portends for the rest of that roster. All right, guys. Well it's the top of the hour, which means it's time to bring in our special guest, Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And Greg, how you doing this morning? You know, okay. <laughs> I spent spent four days, straight days at ATT Stadium watching high school football just like just overdosing on high school football and now recovering, but, uh, but that's, that's the way to live. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I can't believe I get paid for this stuff. Hey, Greg, I thought, I thought it was interesting. I knew I wanted to get you on because you're kind of the face of that broadcast and have been doing such a great job. Congratulations to another successful run uh, this week. Um, and uh, you've got to have a hangover of sorts. I've been in those before. I have a hangover the day after signing day. I, so yeah. you, know, you and I know how it feels. It's kind of like, Holy cow, all this time and effort has been, been expended. And then the next day you're like, I get to breathe, right? There, there was a moment there yesterday. This is the 100% true. My uh, my brother and his and my nieces came over and they just flipped on the TV and the Cowboys were playing. And my thought was, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. Like I just it just dawned on me like you just lose all track of time and space. But because uh, you're just so consumed with high school football. But but that's 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 we wouldn't have it any other way. It, it's big and brash and wonderful. And, 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 and Texas high school football is alive and well. All right. Let me ask you this. Got to ask you some of your most memorable moments from this weekend uh, covering the games. Yeah, I, it, it was a fantastic weekend uh, of Texas high school football. Um, you know, if you're a big school, high school football fan, I think I'm going to remember strangely the, the, the way it ended with DeSoto's demolition of Summer Creek. That was as dominant a performance as we've ever, literally ever seen in the state championship game. It's the, the record for largest margin of victory, a 60 point win. And, and we will, we will need to consider that 2023 DeSoto team's place in Texas high school football history. Um, as far as an all-time great team. Uh, and then you had unbelievable individual performances. I think I think what Terry Bussey did for Timpson is going gonna, is gonna to live forever. I mean, an iconic performance on the big stage to bring Timpson their first ever state championship. Um, and, I, and I always love the, the, the first-timers. Uh, Anna wins their first state championship. Uh, Malakoff wins their first state championship. And then uh, Saturday morning, Port Nature's Groves and, and, and South Oak Cliff stole the show, I thought, with the best game of the weekend in, in what was a real rock fight, uh, as, as Craig Way likes to call it, a taffy pull of a ball game. And it was it was fun to watch. And and, and so, yeah, those those are the, 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 the performances that I think I'm going to remember. Not to mention, you know, anytime you get Duncanville North Shore. You're, you're just always going to remember something like that. So it was it was just such a fantastic weekend. And what I love is that if you stay for the whole weekend and you do all and you, you watch all 12 games, 
you really do get to experience kind of the breadth of, 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 of Texas high school football. We had wide open spread. We had the slot T, you know, we had six man football. It's, it was just, it was a fabulous weekend. Yeah, Greg, I want to thank you for hopping in. I mean, especially after how busy of a weekend that was, I can't imagine the, the number one thing I'd want to be doing again is talking all about it and reliving it, but thank you. So this is, this is great. Uh, I did want to ask you about Terry Bussey uh, and kind of just, You've seen a lot of high school football. You've seen a lot of great players. Uh, you know, in terms of the Mount Rushmore, how close is what Terry did, you know, on Saturday, kind of in that conversation of, you know, all around high school guys when you kind of consider like a Kyler Murray or an Adrian Peterson in that ranks? This production speaks for itself. I wanted to hear from, from you and what you thought about, you know, that conversation. Yeah, Terry Bussey is a, a fascinating case in the sense that he's been doing this for four years, a four-year starter, and and really as his sophomore year was when he really hopped on our radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we he became our the, the second underclassman to ever be named Mr. Texas Football by Dave Campbell's Texas Football. The only the only other one was Kyler Murray, um, and then his senior year he started off injured. His first three games he was he was out uh, with a knee injury, and in talking with Coach Kerry Thurwanger, um, he said I think this is a good thing for him because he's been dealing with this knee thing since seventh grade. And I said, what, what, what do you mean he's been dealing with this knee thing since seventh grade? Said, yeah, he just had this kind of, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a little thing in his knees. He just needed to get cleaned up. And finally, it was just reason to do it. And you start thinking about it. Yeah, when you're in Timpson, America, and you're the best athlete in town, you play football, and then you're the star on the basketball team, and then you're running track, and then you're right back to football. So he's never been able to stop. And so what he was able to do this year when he came back and to make history there in Timpson, Timpson has never been a statewide contender. Um, And especially what's important is that this was a team uh, late in the year that was without its second and third best player. Foskey Howard was out as well as JJ Garner, his cousin, the the running back uh, got injured and in in the regional final and missed the the final couple of playoff games. They had to build the whole plane out of Terry Bussey and for that pressure and for that moment to not be t- so big and to just step step in and as cool as you like put on a legendary performance, I mean he's going to go down in history as one of the all time great Texas high school football players, one of the most memorable. And and you know there we've had I, I, we hear this from people and I think you guys know better. People are like oh it's just two way. Like if he was at six a he'd be he wouldn't be doing this, buddy, <laughs> buddy. You go put him on South Oak Cliff and they ain't losing a game. They, teams aren't coming within 30 points of, of, of South Oak Club. He's on. He yeah. is a special, singular talent, and you see the five-star in him. You can just see the talent. And, and, and what's so great about Terry Bussey, in my opinion, is that when you have players who are also great high-character people, and this is a guy, if you don't know his story, he's been through a ton and has come out the other side, a, a very thoughtful and, and respectful young man, and he's an easy guy to root for. You mentioned that I, I saw a special you guys did on Colin Simmons, the mm-hmm. Longhorn commitment and his his relationship with his brother Greg. I thought that was phenomenal. He, of course, had another terrific performance in the state championship. Ends up with the defense most MVP. Uh, Alex January is another guy going to Texas that had a really good game. Between Duncanville and Desoto, how many Division One players are there on those two rosters? Because I sit back and look at it, I'm like. You know, I, I remember when there used to be seven or eight was just an unheard of number at North Shore back in my days, or Dallas Carter when I was going up there a bunch, and they had a bunch of guys. Now, I mean, Jerry Hamilton was talking about 30 at Duncanville mm-hmm. from, from freshman to senior year. Mm-hmm. Is it 
are they are those Dallas area teams, South Dallas teams, just that loaded right now? Yeah, I think that I think I think there's there's reasonably there's reason to believe there's there's forty plus forty five plus on those two rosters on DeSoto and Duncanville right now. They're loaded. It's 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 staggering the amount of talent they have there, and you saw it on full display in their games. Um, I, I thought that when you took a look at what Duncanville was able to do. You really saw their stars come out. I thought you saw the growth in quarterback Keelan Russell, the SMU commit. I thought he was terrific. Caden Durham, the LSU commit. My goodness. And then and then Colin Simmons. I mean, a menace, an absolute menace off the edge. And a guy who uh you just turn on the tape. Uh, you you do not need to be somebody who like you guys have watched tape for for, for <laughs> yeah. forever. Just turn on the tape as a casual fan and be like, oh, no, that guy's pretty good. Uh, he's he's a monster off the edge, and he's got the whole skill set. And he's what I think is also impressive is he was excellent, obviously, as a, as a junior last year. He's been excellent since for, for a long time. He's steadily improved. I think there's more meat on the bone, which is scary, because right now he's he's an elite edge rusher right now. I think there's more there which is I think that the potential and what you've seen is the growth pattern is really exceptional um, there on, on, on him. And then for DeSoto, you know, th- th- some of their guys are so good that I think that they kind of get overlooked. You look at their quarterback, DJ Bailey, who was spectacular in their, in their title game win. He's a Sam Houston commit. If he's two inches taller, every, every program in America is going after that kid. That guy's unbelievable. He's a baby face assassin out there. He's incredible. Um, and then I think you can make a real argument, and I know you guys know this, that their best player is a freshman. You can make an argument that their best player is the is the freshman phenom wide receiver Booby Feaster, who had a touchdown catch in that title game as well. I mean, DeSoto is absolutely just chock full of talent. And if you think they're going away anytime soon, either Duncanville or DeSoto, you got another thing coming because they are they are reloaded and the the underclasses are really strong as well. Hey, Greg, I got a question for you. Let's talk Alito for a second. Obviously, they won their 12th state title, 11 in the last 15 years. And a couple of their younger players, two sophomores, are two of their best players. Do you see anybody knocking them off anytime soon? Not in 5AD1 right now. I mean, they they are the kings of Texas high school football. They are the Texas high football program of record right now. I mean, they, they have 12 state championships in the last, oh, boy, is it 20 years or something like that? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane that the, the short amount of time they've built this, this program and what Tim Buchanan and Steve Wood and, 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 and now Robbie Jones have done is impressive. And you're right. They, they, I mean, because guys like racing Guillory, they are going to lose Hoss Haney and, and to TCU who is a special player. And uh, you saw that on display, a guy who's basically a track star who also happens to be a great quarterback. Uh, that's frightening. Uh, but between him and Davon Keys, who's going off to LSU, I mean, they, this was a special team, but they got Jermichael Finley's son who's coming back. I mean, they've got Racine Guillory who's going to be coming back. I think Hawk Patrick Daniels was a junior. I mean, they're they're not going anywhere. Alito, Alito doesn't rebuild. They reload. And and they will be the front. Every every game for the last – this is the highest compliment I think I'm going to pay Alito. I think every game for the last eight years, every loss they've had has been an upset. It's like it's they're they're just that dominant and just the team that that you have to go through in order to win a state championship and and only a couple have been able to do it. I mean, College Station did it in a title game. Uh, South Oak Cliff did it in 2021 on the route to their historic state championship. But it's just it's so few and far between for Alito to beat Alito, especially when the playoffs roll around. No doubt. And then you talked about Terry Busty. You know, if he was able to play five, six, eight, he would still have the success that he has. 
But what about Grayson Rigdon, the six-man phenom? You know, arguably the best six-man player of all time in the state of Texas. Do you see? Do you think he would have that same success if he played eleven-man football? And talk about his performance this weekend. Yeah, man, what a what a great. That's the sixty-four thousand dollars question. So Grayson <laughs> Rigdon's the most. I think Grayson Rigdon is the most interesting man in Texas high school football. Agree. If you haven't seen this guy, um, he plays for one A Division two Benjamin. Uh, so he plays six man football and he is unstoppable. And I don't mean that like, I mean, literally, I would love to know how many times he's been tackled this year um, because sometimes he gets forced out of bounds, but like, it seems like every time he touches the ball, it's a touchdown. Um, and he is now a three time state champion. He was a freshman. He won as a freshman at Strawn. He was the dual MVP as a freshman. He was the offensive MVP at Benjamin as a sophomore. He was the offensive MVP as Benjamin as a junior. Um, he is one of the most, he is the most, one of the most electrifying players in six man football history. So now how does that translate to 11 man? He is, he is on the smaller end. He, I think he's five, nine or so five, 10. He's a little, and, and it's certainly, it's a different ball game. Uh, and, 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 but I think he would be a player at, I would like to see him step in at like a four A level. And right now, and I want to see if he can go out there and dominate at the four A level. Um, six A might be might be punching a little bit too above. Uh, that may be too big of a leap. But I would love to see what would happen at the eleven man level because I think the skill set you see, the elusiveness, the open field, just just explosivity, and the ability to make people miss in the open field, that is that that translates. I think, and I would love to see it at the eleven man level. Maybe I'm wrong. Because that's that's just a hard. We don't have a ton of of data to, of of guys going from six man to eleven man, especially guys who have that high of a usage rate and and who have that particular skill set. I'd love to see it though, because I think he's a special talent at the six man level, and I want to see what a special talent at the six man level means when you're playing receiver at Columbus or you're playing you know running back at uh, Clyde or something like that. I'd love to see what that looks like. No doubt. Me too, Greg. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We know you got to be worn out from this weekend. So thank you for taking time out of your day to join us this morning. For sure, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Have a good one, Greg. Thanks for all the work that you did this weekend for everybody that loves football in the state of Texas, buddy. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Right. Have a good one. That's Greg Tepper, uh, managing editor, Dave Campbell's Texas football, uh, just a fixture of Texas high school sports. Uh, Greg has been for the last, I don't know, decade or so uh, where he's been uh, doing that, the halftime shows, all of that stuff for uh, guys at Valley and even before that Fox Sports Southwest. Uh, appreciate him taking time this morning. Again, he's Greg Tepper, uh, the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, an institution uh, across the state of Texas. All right. Hey, guys, before we get going to the next segment, I want to say thank you. To our sponsor, that's John Donovan. John and the Longhorn Wealth team want to congratulate the UT women's volleyball team on their dominating victory in securing the national championship yesterday. Repeating as national champions is truly an amazing accomplishment. Likewise, Longhorn Wealth is repeating its offer to extend to each and every Longhorn alum, employee, or fan a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and maximize your tax-free and tax-efficient financial future. John is a certified financial planner who has spent more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. So please give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit 
longhornwealth.net. Before we go to the next thing, I want to make sure I clarify something. Uh, Blake is uh, texting me saying that I accidentally said that Jade Barron is transferring. That's not, uh, Jade Barron is not transferring. He hosted a transfer in Andrew Makuba. That was what I was trying to get at. So please clear that up in the chat. And if somebody took that to Twitter or some other place that I said that, I misspoke. A lot of words go on in, on these morning shows. I want to make sure I got that right and everybody understands. That's right. Need a little more coffee this morning, Bobby, on coffee and football. I do. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have talked about a lot, but we haven't really talked too much about the team. So let's take some questions on that. And uh, let's start with Shane's question. He says, are we sure Worthy is playing against Washington? Haven't seen any practice reports or updates on him. Very quiet on that front. CJ, you want to take this or you want me to? Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't heard anything that leads me to believe that he won't be playing. He was out of the boot as, as I guess, early as last week. Uh, he did practice this weekend. I, I, I think he's going to be 100%. You know, that's a long time you have between, you know, the, the Big 12 championship and, you know, that kickoff against Washington in the semifinal. Worthy should be good to go, uh, I, I would say, 100%. He will be 100% for that game is what I'm told. So, I, you know, he is. they are going to treat him with kid gloves, as they should, um, given that he's – I mean, it's not like he hasn't proven himself to be a tough player, right? Um, and so he's ready to go, guys. He's going to be ready to go. All right, then Roe wants to know, Bobby, how would Penix and the Washington offense fare against the flyover defense? Loaded question. It's a great one, though, and I don't know the answer. I don't know that they played that. Nobody in the Pac-12 plays that defense with the three high safety, CJ. You have any? You have a feel for that? I mean, Penix is one of those guys that he can let his eyes overlook his uh, overfeed his stomach. You know. He, he could get the big eyes on the big play, and that might be what the, the three-high defense takes. At the same time, Kellen DeBoer, the uh, coach for Washington, does such a nice job of kind of managing expectations there and calling a game to make sure that the run game stays involved, the pass game stays involved. I, I don't know the answer uh, of how he, he would fare. It would definitely be different, maybe. I mean – does any did anybody in the Pac-12 run the three high safety that you know of, CJ? No, it's it's certainly not as prevalent in the Pac-12 as we've seen. You know the the institutions in the Big 12. You know whether it be Oklahoma State or Iowa State, and how often we see it there. Uh, I will say the Washington defense, their offense, can be slowed down and has been kind of you know tripped up at times this year. Obviously, you look at the Arizona State game and kind of just how strange that was when they didn't score an offensive touchdown in that ball game. Uh, also, the two best defenses, for my money's worth, aside from UCLA in that conference, were Washington State and Oregon State. And when you look at just kind of how, you know, their offensive production kind of stood up to, you know, kind of the other, you know, games they, they played against USC and, and Stanford even, uh, it was kind of a night and day performance offensively for Washington. So, Yes, they have home run ability. They can knock that, that ball out of the park more times than one. But uh, it, it is kind of a hit and miss on the terms of playing sound defenses that are, you know, true to their scheme and, and, and gaps. And then Billy Hoyle says, reminder that PK made his name shutting down spread slash air raid type offenses that Washington runs. Love it, Billy. I'm, I'm hoping for that on January 1st. <laughs> I'm hoping for that, man. 
Uh, we got a super chat guy from Pooh. Thank you, Pooh. And he says, what's the pecking order for linebackers in 24? What do you mean? It's, it's Ty Anthony Smith or bust. I think, is that what he's talking about from a recruiting perspective? I think he means, well, think he means the actual team depth chart. Oh, okay. Um, well, I think you've got to start with Anthony Hill, right? Mm -hmm. Then you decide whether or not David Benda is returning because he still has a year potentially because of COVID. And, and then Maurice Blackwell. Then you start adding in guys like Leonga LaFowle that saw some time this year. Uh, Darian Gallette coming off of injury should be back. Samaje Burrell. Right now, the only one that I think is for sure you can pencil them in as a starter is Anthony Hill. The rest, it depends on whether or not they're coming back, whether or not they they can fill a role. A full, a like Maurice Blackwell is going to have a role on this team, but will he have a full-time role or will he be that dime package that they use, right? So other than Anthony Hill, I think it's TBD on, on the 2024 linebackers. Yeah, real quick, I, I think it is more of a question for the spring is when we'll really start to get an idea of that. Uh, with Leon Lafau, I'm a big fan of his. I think that he can develop into a multi-year starter in the SEC. He doesn't have as many uh, snaps or as experience, you know, defensively, but he has been on the field a lot. He has 100 more snaps than any other Big 12 player uh, on special teams this year. So that goes to say that Texas trusts him. Uh, he just might not necessarily be ready as a freshman to play, you know, in the middle of the field of that defense. So, uh, of course, nothing out of the ordinary for a freshman linebacker, but I, I do – I am a big fan of Leon Golafau, and I think he has a, a bright future there. But you're talking about – you said more than any other Big 12 player. You meant more than any any other linebacker outside of uh, – any other Texas linebacker in that regard because he was on all any other, I, I think the stat was uh, – a hundred more snaps of any true freshman in special teams. So he's been on the field. I, I want to say it was 275 snaps for all special teams this year, a hundred more than any other freshman in the conference. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Uh, we're going to piggyback off that uh, super chat here and go to this question from Cody. He says, does the abundance of youth worry you next year at linebacker? Is there someone you're expecting to make a big impact? That's not Anthony Hill. CJ, obviously, you said LaFowl. Bobby, I'll let you answer the second part, and then both of you answer the first. I worry about it somewhat if David Benda doesn't return, right? Because then you're asking a true sophomore to come in and be a starter from game one, probably, at least. Um, so I, I do worry about that, and I do think it's cause for concern. Um, at the same time, you know, uh, I, I think it's better than 50-50 that Benda returns. So, you know, I, I don't see it as that big a deal as long as they continue to get these younger guys reps and reps and reps. Not unlike what they did with Anthony Hill this year, that over the year, as the year went on, you saw him just getting more and more and more reps so that when the time came, he could actually be that guy on an every down basis. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's also to the point where you always want to have a veteran presence at the linebacker spot. We've seen it with DeMarvion Overshone leading the way for Jalen Ford to then take the step into Anthony Hill, uh, you know, stepping in with a true sophomore guy, making calls, kind of being that that guy people look for in the middle of that defense is, you know, it, it could be a challenge. And so uh, bend up returning would be ideal. Obviously Blackwell is going to be in the mix. And, you know, like, like you said, I, I'm a big fan of LaFowle. So I'm excited to see just how he develops moving into this spring. 
All right, guys, we got time for just a couple more questions here. And Harrison Saunders wants to know, does the recruitment of Makuba suggest the coaches lack faith in Gilbo? Bobby, no. shaking your head, no. Yeah, no, they like Jalen Gilbo. They just want numbers, guys. I mean, you, they're not – you know, there is no excuse to be a young team in college football anymore. They're, I mean, just – so you have an opportunity to take a guy that started three years, two of them at nickel – and insert him here and have him compete against Jalen Gilbo. Maybe Gilbo can move to safety because of this. Maybe Gilbo gets more time and they run a, a more typical dime uh, without uh, Maurice Blackwell on the field. There's just there's just a ton of different ways, but they love Jalen Gilbo, and uh, he is a little bit of a playmaker, uh, mm-hmm. which is something they need in that secondary too. So I it doesn't say that. It says that this other guy started three years at the college level. He's got some experience. Let's get him on the roster. All right, guys, we're going to read the Super Chat, and then I'm going to ask you one more piece, then we are getting out of here. Antonio Harris says, speaking it into existence, Texas wins the national championship, but will Malik get a ring? It wasn't his fault. He had to leave. Thanks, and hook him. Thank you, Antonio. He absolutely should. I agree. He started two games. You know, he was meaningful in three. Texas isn't here without him. I Absolutely, should be a part of every part of the celebration festivities. I think every every player that played on the team that saw a snap should absolutely, and those that didn't. So, not just Malik. I, I I agree that he had an outsized impact compared to the other guys that are in the portal. Um, but the fact that he had to go, had to leave in order to get going in the portal now, as opposed to wait, it's it's emblematic of of what's wrong a little bit with the the transfer portal at this point. Yeah. All right, CJ, we're going to start with this question for you, and then Bobby will get to yours and get out of here. Zane Petty says, CJ, who are your top five 2025 must-get commits for Texas? Uh, It's a fun one because we finally get to see, you know, just how exciting the 2025 class is on January 20th when Texas hosts their first junior day right after, you know, the the conclusion of the season. But my top five, and I think, you know, these are a lot of names that you'll be seeing for really the remainder of the – uh, of the upcoming cycle. But number one is the Corian Moore, the wide receiver currently committed to LSU out of Duncanville. Uh, just as Greg Tepper was saying, you know, electric. Absolutely one of the guys that you see make a difference right away. I love Devin Sanchez out of North Shore as well. I know the two very rarely matched up on Saturday in the state championship game. Kind of something I was wanting to see a little bit more of. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see a whole lot of it. A quiet day for Sanchez just goes to show how talented he is. And then a pair of offensive linemen. Uh, Michael Fasusi out of Louisville and Lamont Rogers. I think both of them have great tackle pro, uh, kind of projections there. They both are talented. They show up in camps. The film is there as well. And then Jonah Williams out of uh, Galveston Ball, kind of the, the hybrid flex safety linebacker guy. I know Tyson's like him inside the box uh, as a linebacker. He's a guy that you just see and you say, yeah, he makes plays. And he's a baseball player as well. Um, big fan of his. What he brings to the table, being able to move uh, laterally, backwards, coming up to stop the run, all time, all around player. You mentioned all in-state players, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But here's some out-of-state ones to, to remember. Uh, not only uh, do we have KJ Lacey, the quarterback out of Sarah Land, Emory Winston, who we think is going to announce for Texas today at 4:30. That's the tight end out of Calhoun, Georgia. But then listen to this: Marcus Harris at Modern Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the athlete there. Uh, Jabori Antoine, uh, same high school as Derek Williams out of Westgate, New Iberia. 
uh, down there. Then you also go to John Mills, a big lineman out of San Francisco, who's going to be at the Texas-Washington Sugar Bowl game and has already been on campus and been in contact with Kyle Flood. So you mentioned all these, uh, Brandon Brown uh, out of O'Galley in Florida, uh, who uh, Bo Davis already went and spent time with him, I think twice now uh, during the recruiting process and could be the top defensive lineman in the country next year. So it's going to be a mix, right? Absolutely. You mentioned all those in-state guys. It's going to be a mix with the out-of-state guys too. And it has been real quick, like just quick point. The no, Texas class right now, 21 commits, only 11 from the state of Texas. So it's been a, a national reach for, you know, this Texas staff, and it's going to continue. Uh, Casey, when Bobby said 430, he did mean central time is when that commitment will take place. 530 Eastern, 430 Central. All right, Bobby, this question for you, then well, this is it. Cody Hook says, how does Texas and OU leaving the Big 12 change the recruiting landscape for teams in the Big 12? I think they're I don't know that it changes them at all. I mean they they're they're playing second fiddle for the most part as it is right now. I don't see that changing. Um CJ, you you have any thoughts on that? I don't think it'll change all that much. You know, proximity will continue to play the biggest factor for the kids that they have been recruiting over the last decade. Uh one thing I kind of want to touch on this is a conversation for a completely other day, but what SMU will be doing when they join the SEC is going to be a thorn in the side for seemingly everybody in the area. The ACC, ACC. Yeah, sorry. You said SEC, yeah. I, I, that's a good point. I didn't even thought about SMU and how they figure in because they're also being aggressive with NIL. Yeah, no, they're going to be a pain. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. All right, guys. Well, we are going to get out of here. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for the Super Chats. I want to thank Greg Tepper, Managing Editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, for coming on and talking a little high school football with us. And then John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. And then, of course, Homefield. Don't forget, we have that commitment coming up later today. Hopefully, it'll be good news for Texas. We got you covered all day right here on On Texas Football. On that note, Bobby, tell them what they can expect later as well. Yeah, absolutely. CJ and I are going to take a little bit of a, a step back and look at the offensive recruiting class that Texas has brought in. Um, so while the defense still has some work ahead of it, we mentioned Makuba and uh, guys like that, as well as Xavier Filsami and, and Ty Anthony Smith, and even a possible defensive lineman, the offensive recruiting class is kind of set in stone. So CJ and I are going to look at the offensive recruiting class and really try to gauge whether or not Texas addressed its needs and how well they address their needs uh, in, in this recruiting class. Uh, so that'll be at noon. Uh, and then also uh, Rod Babers and CJ will be back this afternoon with Talking Ball. And of course, if uh, Emory Winston chooses the Longhorns, we'll have something on that as well. Uh, it's a, look, 48 hours now, less than 48 hours until signing day. It's going to be a mad dash. Uh, we're excited about it. Uh, Bob Shipley will be on the show tomorrow morning. Uh, Bob Shipley, by the way, has seen and been in the office uh, of multiple signing days at the University of Texas. So it's going to be good to get his feedback. Also, uh, he's also a state championship coach. So he's going to talk a little bit about that. Should be a fun time uh, here on Coffee and Football as well as on Texas Football. That's right. So be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a new video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for C.J. Vogel and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. Have a good week.